Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Presented by Onyx. All right, guys, we're back on the Born and Raised Audio Experience. Um, appreciate Onyx Hunt for making this uh, dream come true on just talking, being able to chat through. We're here at the Bow Rack with Kellen, who also is on YouTube, Inside Out Precision, and uh, just got to experience kind of his take on how to set up a bow. I've done it for, this is honestly, I think, the second time ever someone else set up my bow today. So that was, it was pretty awesome to watch you put a lot through. of trust yeah, <laughs> in no, my I mean, hands. Yeah, but it, in the same essence, I'm kind of out of the, the loop of the precision side of it, and you do it every day. And uh, it's cool to see your experience and knowledge and how quick it can all come together. Yeah. I think I might just pipe down a little on this podcast. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't Train think I've here. ever set my, I think I've had the bow rack set mine up every single, every single time. So, so Kellen, what, what is your, your channel's called Inside Out Precision. So what, Correct. what is that exactly? What's your goal with the channel? What, what does that all entail? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the name in specific inside out precision, you know, kind of refers more to target archery, like when you're completely inside the X ring, not touching any of the, the lines. So for yeah. those who may not understand what that means, that's what that's referring to. Uh, and really it kind of came about just because, you know, there's, there's a lot of awesome hunting podcasts out there. I have so much respect for guys that can, can film while hunting. Cause as soon as I see an animal, it's like, that's the last thing on my mind. Um, but there weren't a lot of channels on just like information based stuff on, on archery, like on, on the technical side of things. Um, so when we started the channel, that was really the goal was to just get information out there. Um, there's a lot of people, whether they might be new shooters or someone who's been shooting for a long time, but they've, they've never really taken it seriously. They just, you know, bought a boat at Cabela's and just ran with it. Right. Um, and so, you know, there's so much gear out there these days and so many different takes on, you know, the right broadheads and the right arrows and this and that. And, you know, working at the shop, we get to play with a lot of that stuff and we see a lot of different equipment. Um, so when we started the channel, the, the goal is just to try to be as unbiased as possible and just say, you know, I'm not telling you this is the site or the bow that you have to shoot, but if you're looking at it here, here are the features, you know, here's why this works the way it does versus, you know, brand X, Y, and Z. Hmm. Um, and, and yeah, and I, you know, I really encourage people to ask questions. Um, everybody had to start somewhere. Right. And yeah, so, for sure. um, I really like when we get people on there that, that are new to it. Um, and I think it's good to have a, you know, a source of information cause it'll just make your head spin. If you, if you don't, like you were mentioning earlier, guys get on, they read all these different forums about things for anything from arrow weight to fixed heads versus expandables yes. and this and that. And if, you know, if you don't have a good, uh, like, I guess mentor or, uh, someone who, who's got experience with a lot of those different things, um, it's kind of hard to know where to start. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, there's definitely an information overload these days yeah. like between social media and YouTube and Google, like yeah. our most asked question. What's the best broadhead? Well, yep. I, I, uh, I can't really tell you. You know, I mean, it's I like tell you, the one somewhere. that shoots the yeah. straightest out of your bow and you can yep. hit everything. You know, it's like, oh, I, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy it's, from all spectrum. Yeah, let's, let's talk about arrows broadhead. So guy that's, you know, maybe had never bow hunted before, comes into the shop, 
what what's like a, a good setup for them to start out with? What are, yeah, um, you know, usually we're going to start with the question like, well, what, what are you going to be hunting with this? And in Oregon here, ninety percent, it's always going to be the same thing: deer, deer and elk. Um, I think you can shoot the same arrow for both. I don't think there's a real need to you know change everything around for one species versus the other. Um, and then it's going to be you know, okay, what, what draw weight and what draw length are you shooting? Because that's going to help us determine kind of what, you know, the, the correct spine and then uh, overall weight of the arrow will go into that. I would say for, you know, for probably 80% of the guys that come in here who have a draw length between, you know, 27 and 30 inches, um, any arrow in that like 440 to 500, 525 grain seems to be pretty good. Um, are you a big fan of the weight forward and the, all the, the? I think the, it's a happy, a happy play balance into that there. At all, yeah, personally? I'm, you know, I'm not putting 300 grains at the front of my arrow. Right. Um, you know, I have a lot of background in, in competitive target archery, um, and you know, you'll play a lot with the the length and point weight of an arrow, which is essentially manipulating the dynamic spine. And you'll find that one that's kind of the most forgiving tends to group the best for you. Um, when I find that shaft, when I measure my FOC, it's usually somewhere between like 12 and 16, 18%. Hmm. So I don't build an arrow to a specific FOC, um, which for those who don't know, that's the front of center weight. So the amount of arrow in front of the, the middle balance point, balance basically. Point gotcha. Um, and that seems to be kind of the sweet spot. It, you know, it helps with flight. Um, the overall weight is what's really going to you know, give you that, that extra penetration, you know, momentum is just mass times velocity. Right. So, um, I haven't, the testing is always hard because, you know, it's like shooting in bag targets and like the, uh, you know, the foam targets we have, it's like, well, did that arrow penetrate better because yeah. it hit a soft spot or did it, right. you know, or yeah. hard because that did, one, when we did the bride test, we did flat cardboard. Yeah. So it was like, that seemed like the most consistent and it, you know, we, we didn't play around with weights. Right. It was just like the dynamic of a broadhead. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd be curious to kind of play around with a different weight out of the It'd be cool if, if you could get an arrow, like two arrows that are 510 grains, but one has 20% FOC and one has 10%. Be cool. And yeah. see if, you know, if the higher FOC actually gets you better penetration. Um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not an engineer or a physicist. I would, I would guess that the overall mass weight is what's really going to, what it's going to come down to. Right. Um, but... You know, I know there's the kind of the heavy arrow trend out there right now. When I say heavy, I'm talking, you know, 600 plus grains, um, which depending on what you're doing, sure, that might be a good setup. You know, if I was going after a bison or something or a water buffalo where I'm probably going to be shooting fairly close distance, um, really heavy boned animal, then I might, you know, I might consider one of those, you know, 600 plus grain arrows. Um, but I've kind of used the analogy where, you know, if you got like a 700 grain arrow, it still has, it still has to hit something vital. Um, and I think at some point it's kind of overkill. It's like I could use an elephant gun on a gopher and yeah. it'll kill it dead or the doornail, but it's not really necessary. And I think with the heavy arrows, you know, it still has to hit something vital. If it doesn't hit something vital, like cool, you just blew through its hindquarter. Right. You know, that doesn't so mean that. So accuracy is where like yeah. the forgiveness and j- judging yardage. And so I guess talk through that on speed. What's like, what do you feel like is a really good stable speed for hunting? You know, I think, I think... So the stability there is actually interesting. I, I think when you start getting over that 300 feet per second mark with a fixed blade, things get squirrely. Um, yeah. That broadhead just does not want to recover very well out of the bow. Um, I've always found, you know, anything like 260 to 285 seems to be, you know, that 280, 285 seems to be a really 
sweet spot. Really sweet spot when you yeah. know when you, when you got a guy where you know his, his broadheads and his field points are flying together. Um, you know he's got good arrow trajectory, but he's he's still got pretty good weight. Usually when you shoot it through the chrono, you're going to be somewhere in that you know 275, 280, 285. Um, it's a good good combination of of speed to where if you were to misjudge something, I mean everybody wants to believe that you know you're going to be able to just sit there and range every animal that comes in. Um, not always the case. Sometimes, you know, a buck might stand up out of his bed when you're going down a trail and it's just like, oh, you know, I think he's 40. Well, if he's 44 and you're shooting a 600 grain arrow, you're going to miss that buck. If you're shooting a 440 grain arrow, you might hit a couple inches low, but you're probably still going to kill it. Right. And that's that um, big, that's, that's the big debate, right? Yeah. Like, it tighter is. pins, the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then trying to, you know, when you, when you do get a really large gap, like let's say, you know, the gap between your 50 and 60 is three quarters of an inch. If I've tried to shoot 55 yards, it's a lot harder to find the true center in a three quarter inch gap than it is a, a quarter inch gap. Yeah, I got So you, you get a little more forgiveness you. with your, your point of aim and, and yeah. all that. So I'm picking up, like, there's a balance between both. Like, you could have the fastest tight pin gap, but penetration might be a little low. Yeah. You have the opposite. You have a 700 grain arrow going... 220 feet a second or slower and you might miss your target it's like trying to find i think overall there's a balance in life right and yeah. it all it's like finding the sweet spot in between those two yeah, yeah i don't think anyone's trying to debunk that you know with a higher flc your penetration is going to be a little better um, yeah but again why does that matter how well your arrow you penetrates hit what you're aiming at. if you're yeah. not hitting what you're aiming at and a lot of penetration comes down to you know the, the tune of that arrow and if that arrow is going straight um you know, you've seen thing. those pictures of like oh like straw that's stuck in a telephone pole after yeah. after a tornado it's because that piece of straw was just going perfectly straight really fast when it hit it um if your arrow is kicked you know one way or the other when it hits it's going to lose a lot of energy um, so I think a lot of penetration comes down to a good broadhead, um, and then, you know, an arrow that's, that's impacting square to the target versus, you know, kicked real hard one way or the other. So on tuning field points, broadheads, mm -hmm. I know, as you said, and I have always tried to strive for accuracy between the two consistency. So you don't have broadheads where you recite your bow in to yeah. hit where your broadheads are going. Is there any trip tips or tricks that you've learned over the time that's like, yeah, so you know we always start with paper tuning, um, get a good bullet hole through paper, uh, and then sight in with a field point, um, and then shoot your broadhead. And so, and I've made a couple of videos on this, and it's it's always a topic of, of debate. Um, but I've tried it both ways. Um, I we move the rest towards so for your left right, you move the rest towards the broadhead, and the the reason for that is, you know, if my broadhead is let's say four inches left of my field point, that's because at some point that arrow, the back of the arrow is kicking tail right, which points the, the blades to the left. They catch wind and plane in that direction. Um, if you were gonna use the rest to correct a tail right tear through paper, you move it to the left. Um, now, that what that's probably gonna do is, yes, it'll shift your point of impact of your field point. So if I move my rest to the left, my, my field point might now impact two inches left, but it's gonna move the broadhead We'll just ease of numbers here. Two inches right, and they'll be together. And then I just move my sight till they're both back in the middle. middle. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think you want to move the rest opposite the broadhead, which will bring your broadhead into the center, but it's just going to shift your field point to the right now. Even, yeah. So you know, my goal is to try to get them together versus you know just moving my rest till the broadhead's in the middle. But now my field point is you know off to the right. And if it's high low, you move it opposite. If the broadhead's low, we got to bring the front of that arrow up. So you bring okay. the rest up, um, and obviously conversely for... And then spine, where... 
Yeah. So the, if you're really stiff or really weak, you will see that. Um, so generally speaking, on a for a right-handed shooter, uh, a stiff arrow is going to show up as a as a tail right tear through paper or a a pretty far left impact. Like if I was, you know, two spines too heavy, if I should be shooting a 340 and I'm shooting a 250, you're probably going to have a hard time no matter what you do to get that arrow to to come in. Um, I will say, especially with fixed blades, you're better being a little on the stiff side than on the weak side. Because when you watch an arrow come out of a compound bow, it it does flex. The longer that arrow takes to recover, the more time the front of that uh, shaft and the broadhead are going to just be pointing in all sorts of different directions. And if they start planing and catching wind, you're just going to get these like crazy groups. Too stiff and you'll just get... It needs to be able to flex over that rest a little bit, and if it if it doesn't or if it can't, then then you'll just get it'll kick off of it kind of inconsistently. Hmm. So, um, you know, generally speaking, if you're if you go to a uh, a pro shop, you know they they should have a pretty good idea of what spine you're going to need to be in based on the the length of the shaft and then the amount of weight you're running up up front. Um, you know, there's a lot of trends today with like uh, these new axis four millimeter arrows. They're really light grains per inch. Um, but then they're designed to run either a, you know, like a 50, 55, 95, so on and so forth, insert with a collar. Um, so you still are, you, you still make your weight, but it's where that weight's distributed. And if you've been running, let's say a 300 spine um, and just always had 100 grains up front, and now you go to the 300 spine, but you put 180 grains up front, you're probably going to be a little bit weak. So you might have to bump up to a 250 spine. And then as you add weight, that helps soften the spine. And that's just leverage, right? You have more weight out front. And so it's just, it's, yeah. it's heavier acting on the thickness or yeah. on the, on the strength of the spine. Exactly. Yep. What would be like, I feel like a question that a lot of people have is, you know, everyone comes into a bow shop, gets their bow well tuned, shooting field points. Great. Okay. Um, in these bow shops, a lot of times you're not shooting broadheads. Right. Uh, so someone goes home, maybe they live two hours away. They screw on their broadheads. They shot, they shot their bow through paper. It was amazing. Okay. Now their broadheads are six inches to the right. Yeah. Um, so what's a, a good way where a, someone, a listener at home, um, can kind of use deductive reasoning and, and bring those back together, um, without having the luxury of maybe a mentor, a neighbor with a press and everything sure. that. Yeah, you know, if you don't have a press, um, you are going to be pretty limited to just moving that rest around. Yeah. Um, now, if you're if it shot a good hole through paper, standing there at like six feet, you know, usually that's about what we stand from paper six, ten feet, something like that. Um, but then, let's say, like you said, the broadhead is you know six inches right at twenty yards. That means that at some point during that flight, that arrow is kicking pretty hard. So, um, you know, if you could make a little paper tuner at home, um, which really easy to do just got some butcher paper and you know mm-hmm. clamp it up somehow and back up to you know seven eight yards mm-hmm. and shoot through paper i would guess that your arrow's probably kicking tail left so you could make and it would take very minor adjustments you know if i move my rest just a 16th right or left it'll you know it'll change that point of impact four or five six inches with a broadhead so um <laughs> if it's if it's way way off then either you know you got some torque in there um a lot of i've noticed a lot of uh subscribers and, and viewers on the channel um they weren't actually the one to shoot their bow when they got it tuned mm. they go to a shop and they say oh yeah we you know they take it in the back and they come out and go yeah it's shooting perfect bullet holes um but everybody's gonna 
grip is going to react differently on a bow. You know, like I can grab any one of these guys' bows here when they're shooting just perfect bullet holes through paper, and I'm probably not going to shoot the same hole as them. Even yeah. though my, the position of my grip is relatively the same, you know, just the size of your hand, your anchor point. Or how much face is in exactly, the Exactly. All, all that like stuff that, plays yeah. into it. Um, so if you're trying to do it at home, you know, if you're, I would say within six inches of your field point, you should be able to manipulate that rest enough um, to where you're not going to take it, you know, way inside or outside of center, but you should be able to get those to come together pretty, pretty easily. If it's a foot or more at 20 yards, you kind of go, got to go back to the drawing board on tuning, I think, because that's, that's a pretty big gap for such a short distance. Hmm. How many people like coming in, coming in the shop and you see like, they just, they don't even care about hunting. They just want to shoot archery for archery. It's a big thing lately, right? As far as like, that's been like a pretty big craze in the last few years. I've really noticed it in the last, you know, since 2019, pretty much since the pandemic. Um, we got, we got a lot of families that come in and, you know, it's an awesome family sport for them um they all can get you know like we said those mission kits they're really affordable still really accurate easy to shoot bow um are you going to set them up with a hunting bow in that scenario like or a target bow is there a big difference there yeah so we always we always kind of ask what what the goal is right Right. a lot of people they want to get into shooting they may or may not hunt in the future um and in that case you know we're we're probably not going to set them up with like the Hoyt RX-7. You know, right. We're going to set them up with a really user-friendly bow, like the Toyota Camrys of bows, basically. So, gotcha. you know, like one of the Missions or the Matthews Tactic, which is like kind of one of their their mid-range bows. Um, and generally, with a you know a target bow versus a hunting bow, they're going to be a lot more comfortable on the on the shooter, meaning that the draw cycle isn't as stiff because speed with a you know with a target bow. Gotcha. Air quotes here. Um, speed's not a real big issue, so they usually have a lot smoother draw cycle, um, but. Most of the bows these days, you know, you can do anything with them, you okay. know, unless you wouldn't want to hunt with like a 38 inch or 40 inch target bow. Right. Um, but any bow in that, like, you know, 30 to 34, 35 inch range, um, you can do anything from recreational target shooting to hunting with it. Awesome. So, um, and it is, it's getting a lot more popular. You know, yeah. I've noticed a lot more people who, you know, they really have no interest in hunting. Um, a lot of them will buy recurves too. Recurve sales has gone through the roof the last couple of years. Right. Um, That's cool. Yeah. So. Definitely, definitely on the uptick. And then, there. like a starter package, right? Like budget hunting yeah. first year, or you know, they borrowed their buddy's bow last year, garage sale. Like they come in, they're going to buy their first new bow. What's what's a what can they get set up with? What would they expect to spend on something? So, like, that? like the mission switch, you know, we sell it in a kit. So that's everything except a release and arrows, um, and that's like five fifty. So really really affordable out the door yep yeah, like out the door rest sight i mean yeah. yeah by the time they get a release in arrows they might be pushing seven just depending on what they what, what they, they buy you know um but we sell a lot of the hoyt torexes uh, i think for, i was shocked how well that yeah i for yeah. the money i it's a really hard bow to beat i mean you're yeah. under a thousand dollars for you know everything release arrows bow That's i think awesome. we sell the kit for eight like 869 or 879 yeah. um and it would take a really, really experienced shooter to be able to tell any difference in accuracy between that bow and you know one of the fifteen hundred dollar like yeah. flagship models. Um, and there's a lot of companies are are building a bow like that now, where it's you know yeah that's awesome to see yeah really yeah because cool. there's a lot of people that want to get into it and it's like with, with anything in hunting you know, like, yeah and I'm, yeah. you want to always be able to buy the best equipment you can afford. Yeah. Um, and so, but for a long time, there was a really big gap there. It was like a $300 bow from Cabela's or a $1,500 Matthews or a $1,200 right. Matthews. Yeah. And now, you know, the industry has kind of realized there's, 
there's a place for these bows that, um, you know, they might not have all the newest bells and whistles, but they're going to be an awesome utility bow. They're, you know, you can shoot targets with them. You can hunt with them, you know, good speed, um, not a real sloppy back wall, all that. And, uh, yeah. And that answer kind of pertains to most things. Like you get that, uh, with a range of questions is is i'm just getting into this what should i buy for that and the answer just with bows is the same across all things it's whatever you can afford and whatever you're going to use yeah. at a time you know yep. it's just get into it start doing it yep. use the crap out of it and then if you get to that point where maybe you feel like you're past that level in two to three years then up then upgrade from there yeah but besides that and what's so cool about archery is all the accessories are, are pretty much universal mm. you know so like if you Let's say you buy that Torx kit and then two years down the road, you're, you're really into it and you want to buy, you know, the, the best, newest model, you know, your sights, your rest, everything will, will swap, swap over, over to that bow. So, you you know, it's not like you have to buy a Hoyt rest for a Hoyt bow and, you know, so you can, yeah. um, you can, we'll, we'll get guys a lot of times where they, they don't go as big on the, on the bow itself, you know, they'll buy a Torx, but then they'll upgrade all the equipment, you know, we'll get a nice spot hog sight on there and like a, a ham ski rest and, um, and then a couple of years later when they when they make the upgrade to a different bow they still they have all Good you know high end components so it's a good call yeah I mean, like, you can kind of go either way with it yeah um you know you save money on the components early and spend a little more on the bow or save a little money on the bow and, yeah. and splurge on the components um and then i also just always encourage people uh you know, shoot as many bows as you can you know, i'm i'm not a brand loyal guy by any means i have a just after you shoot for a while, you kind of learn what specs you like in a bow. You know, I like bows in that, you know, 33, 34-inch range for my draw length. Um, they're just the most comfortable. Um, and w- we get guys all the time that come in and they say, oh, I want the you know, I want the RX-7. And then they shoot a couple bows and they end up leaving with a, a Matthews or a PSE or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think any of the any of the reputable brands these days are all building phenomenal phenomenal quality bows yeah. i don't think there's anything that's inherently more accurate from one to the other but you might be more comfortable with one model or brand versus or, another yeah, one and that's going to make you more thing. accurate yeah. with that bow versus another one yeah. so i think you know we have a demo and pretty much i think every bow we sell here um, i know not everybody has access to that a lot of these smaller shops you know they're they're not moving the volume so they'll they'll get like four bows in and they're you know, they're selling them. They're not. They're not right, and I think that's the whole. That that goes to the whole the bow rack mentality of you come to the bow rack and it's like I can shoot anything, and they'll they'll find my draw length that I want. I mean, everything from start to finish. You come in and yeah. not know anything, and you will be. I think that's dialed. the biggest thing. Is biggest. Thing. I've I've seen people too. It's like they go to Cabela's, right? They spend the three, four, five hundred bucks. Don't know the draw length. Exactly. It, yep. it draw it back and it's either like this or, you know, way too short a draw length. And like, yeah. I think fits probably. Oh, it's huge. The, you know, the way yeah. to start out. How, so how do you guys measure draw length? What's so the, I know. So there is the, the wingspan divided yeah. by two and a half. That'll usually ballpark you pretty close. Yep. Um, we've been pretty much everybody here has been doing it long enough. We can pretty well look at somebody and say, you look like you're about 29. Um, and then no, if 27. <laughs> 27 and a half. I'm a two model, right? I can slip in there. They make a lot of girls bows, though. <laughs> Watch it. <laughs> that Matthew's passion's looking pretty good. Yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> Trey, what yeah. do you have? All of them. <laughs> See? Um, we'll use, a lot of times we'll use, like, those mission bows just because they're, they're so quick to change the draw length on, and they've got such a huge range. Um and so we'll, you know, we'll work with somebody and if they look like they're maybe need another half inch or an inch, then 
you know, we can change it without a press or anything, just really quick on that mission. And then once we have them fitted, then we know, okay, you know, we're going to set up five bows all at that same draw length, same draw weight, so you can really compare. Is that what you guys do usually? Yeah. If it's a brand new shooter, we almost always fit them on a mission. Um, it's just, it's such an easy bow easy to for them to, start. to use. You can get it down, you know, if they're brand new, you can get them down to like 30, 35 pounds. Yeah. Um, just make everything comfortable and easy for them. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And draw length is a really important thing. You know, I think I get a lot of questions on guys that are, you know, oh, my pin's bouncing around. What stabilizer should I run? And I think a lot of times holding steady and, and being comfortable, it's more in the draw length than, than the yeah. stabilizers. You know, gotcha. if you're too, if you're too scrunched up or too stretched out, it's, it's, you're going to battle that, that pin float. And I think a lot of people are actually a little bit short, probably. I'd say on average, Interesting. You know, most people. It's really easy to tell if somebody's too long. Yeah. It can be a lot harder to tell if they're short. short. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's not even in the arm. Like They can have a straight arm and everything looks good, but they're, they're like this. Whereas uh-huh. if they lengthen it out, the shoulders and everything are going to still look the same, but they're going to be able to uh, you know, expand across the chest and, and get that, yeah. that rear shoulder down and back to where it's kind of locked in place. Interesting. I'll um, work with Noah on that, actually. Yeah, yeah. See if we can give me the 28. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> you might be able to reach out there, bud. Yeah, alignment's a big one. I mean, if that, you know, if that rear shoulder or if this front shoulder's hiked up, you know, we see a lot of people where the arm looks fairly straight, but this front shoulders up here by their jaw and essentially just acts as a hinge at that point you know as that muscle starts to fatigue that shoulder collapses yeah and then that pin just starts dropping that's what i was always taught too is you want that that front shoulder to sink into that pocket yeah even with just a slightly open stance just to where that just it's just bone to bone right there exactly like you said when you fatigue you don't start to lose accuracy a lot of people that have um you can kind of diagnose whether you might be a little short or long based on um at least once you're a little more experienced shooter um you know what what your pin's doing like if you're getting that what they call the the bob so it starts in the middle and you just almost have this little like involuntary like hiccup down um that can be a draw length thing or maybe just a little bit you could just increase your d loop length a little bit um because essentially that there's just a little too much you know tension on that muscle and it just it'll give out you know if you have one that just starts in the middle and just continuously drops low that's almost always a, a draw length issue in the in the back half because um, if that back shoulder is too high or um, scrunched up you know you kind of pull you're pulling up which pulls your front pulls arm front down. down so um, but usually you know if you're within a half inch of you know where where you get measured it's you're going to be able to shoot the bow just mm-hmm. fine so yeah, sweet. Awesome. Such good information, man. It's, yeah. Uh, it's yeah. It's I think it's something that like Cody, you know, he does all his own stuff all the time and everything. But it's always good to hear something from someone else. Like, oh, what are you doing? Well, what are, I mean, you know, how are you? I doing worked this? in a pro shop from '96 to 2004. <laughs> We're in 2022. I mean, there's yeah. a lot that has changed in, in that. Oh, it's crazy to see the equipment now. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. everything is pretty much they'll shoot as accurate as you can aim them at this point. Yeah. I mean, it's you know you you watch some of these pros what they can do. I appreciate at that. At distance. <laughs> I really appreciate that. <laughs> I really do. And we just scratched the surface here on, yeah. on all this stuff, too. So if you want an in-depth review of all things that's unbiased, uh, any information, you have shooting tips, everything. Like yeah. The whole, the whole gamut. So you can check out Kellen's channel, Inside Out Precision. Um, yeah. Then you're also on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, inside underscore out underscore precision on uh i, on I love your sweatshirt i, I was just reading that too yeah. I was reading that precision too. is a decision yeah it's a little tagline <laughs> that's not how to catch a tagline right yeah that's not bad yeah i like it so if you guys want more of this stuff 
you eat it up, go check out Kellen's channel. And uh, he does some good work on there. Yeah, there's some really awesome good stuff work. on there. So, so cool. and two, check out the bow rack too. Come to the bow rack. Yes, yeah. you work here. Yep, full time. Yeah, get been stuff. here for six, seven years now. But grew yeah. up with Wayne and, and his family, so just been around it for a long time. Awesome. And you can actually, you know, if you send your bow here, a lot of people do that too, don't they? Yeah, send yeah. their bows, and you can say, hey, I want Kellen working on it or whatever too. Yep. So. Yeah, we get people sending us bows all the time. Yeah. Um, so. Well, thanks, brother. Yeah. I appreciate this. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks. All appreciate right. it.